0: What's up, Tribe? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bodyweight Built. Bodyweight Built has decided to jump on and support the show, which is obviously huge for me and the podcast, but also a huge step in the right direction for independent media. Bodyweight Built is an all-in-one fitness app designed by fitness trainer and buddy of mine, Matty Fox. I spoke to Matt just before Christmas and was telling him how it hit a plateau with my regular strength training. He recommended that I join the app, which I did. The results have been fantastic. I've shared body fat. Uh, My strength has gone through the roof, including functional strength, which is something that I've always struggled with. In the app, there are multiple 8 and 12-week programs, all designed to be done without a gym and even equipment, which was great for me because I only had a few kettlebells and dumbbells, Um, so it's been fantastic. On top of those programs, there's nutrition tips and tricks, yoga classes, plus much more. Listeners of the podcast, I want you to head to mattfoxapp.com to get started for just $1 for the first month. Just $1. There's no locking contract. You can cancel at any time. So if you decide after a few weeks that it's not for you, cancel. You've lost a dollar. No harm done. That's mattfoxapp.com. I'll also attach the link in the description of this podcast.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, podcasting Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Primodcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three, two, one. Uh, All
0: righty. We'll get straight into it. George Christensen. Thanks for coming back to the show, mate. It's, been, it's always a pleasure chatting to you, and I think That's it's fair good. to say that a lot's happened since the first time
1: we spoke. Mate, <laughs> hasn't it? Um, well, and look, a lot of it's unhappening at the moment, but what we should not do is, is forget about it uh, because we have been through near two years of hell. Uh, you know, we have had um, the worst uh, governments that have enacted the worst policies and laws all on the premise that they're protecting us from a virus with a 0.27% infection fatality rate. Um, You know, lockdowns, curfews, mask mandates, uh, workplace vaccine mandates, uh, you name it, they've done it. And the horrific scenes that we saw on the streets of uh, of both Sydney and Melbourne and even in Brisbane um, with police that were um, were quite frankly attacking peaceful protesters uh, in a lot of instances. Uh, We saw people being locked up in uh, in the Northern Territory in particular. Um, We saw state borders being closed and uh, people not allowed to go from one side to see dying loved ones on the other. Um, You know, just horrendous stuff done by governments that actually are supposed to serve us and you know the federal government which i was part of and which i have now left and uh have joined pauline hansen's one nation they're trying to make people forget about it as well and when they don't forget about it the next thing they say is that oh it was nothing to do with us it was all state governments well i call i call rubbish on that i call bullshit on that uh because you know the the reality is the federal government had powers they had at least the ability to challenge stuff in courts, and they never did. Uh, they they, they wussed out. Um, that's the, the, the best you could say. The worst you could say is that perhaps they were complicit. I mean, I don't know. You weren't sitting in these National Cabinet meetings. I wasn't. Um, the premiers all say that the stuff that they were doing was uh, stuff that, that, um, that was sorted out at National Cabinet, so maybe it was. Um, and I could talk a lot more about that, Chris, uh, specifically in detail, but I'll, I'll I'll wait until you ask the questions. I can talk about how I believe the federal government was completely and utterly complicit with the workplace vaccine mandates. Um, at the very least, they, they, again, didn't do something when they should have and could have. So we can't let them forget. We can't let them forget.
0: Yeah, and, and that's actually caught me by surprise, the amount of people that seem to be now that the restrictions are easing, which um, is very convenient a few weeks before an election. Um, yeah. But the amount of people that were, you know, completely against it, I mean, some people that were even standing at the protests who are now almost just moved on from it and they've seem to have just forgotten about the last few years. And I mean, that, that's what happens. And the governments know that. They know that, you know, yeah. most can be forgotten, um, not necessarily forgiven, but forgotten, um, and, and so they bank on that. They know they can make a few bad decisions. And, and by the time election rolls around that, you know, a big part of the population would have forgotten all about it. But it's important to remember that just how easily they can be implemented once again. And what I've seen now over in France, I'm sure you're, you're aware with Macron there. One of his first duties <laughs> after getting reelected was to impose digital IDs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. And that's a trend around the world. I mean, you only go to Google Digital ID and they hit the news bit and you can read all the news articles about digital. Around the world, it's happening.
1: Yeah, all coming out of the World Economic Forum. And, uh, you know, uh, they're pushing that on governments around the world to adopt it. The funny thing is that, uh, well, it's not funny. It would be funny if it wasn't so serious. But uh, uh, as soon as Macron was elected uh, or re-elected, the memesters were out there uh, with all their memes. And and the one meme that I saw had... uh, Klaus Schwab looking like he was sort of radioing into uh, to Macron saying, well done, Agent 14, now finish the job. <laughs> and literally days later, the headlines come out about uh, France now wanting to adopt the World Economic Forum's digital uh, identity agenda. So uh, the meme the meme came true. He's oh. now going to finish the job on behalf of the World Economic Forum. Mate, pay attention to memes. You know what? People just disregard memes. A lot of memes come true. They're on it, and sometimes like it's like conspiracy theory six months between the conspiracy theory and reality these days. Well, that's right. And I, we need to get out of that mindset that
0: because a lot of people, you know, I've, I've had conversations with family members and friends who I've mentioned the digital ID to them, and they just go, Oh, fucking bullshit. it's a conspiracy. I said, Well, it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, it is, there's a bill right now, you can go online and read it. Correct. It's not a conspiracy. 100%.
1: Like,
0: by the time they realize uh, it's actually happening, it'll be too late.
1: Um, and- so the, 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 the bill is drafted. It's up there on the website. Uh, it's ready to roll into Parliament. Um, of course, it wasn't, uh, but but wait until after the election, and it won't matter which of the two majors in, that will surface somehow. Uh, and, and, you know, here's just one very simple litmus test for whether this is good legislation or not. Uh, as a politician, no one has ever stopped me in the street has ever phoned me, emailed me, come into my office, contacted me any which way, even through smoke signals, and said, there's a huge problem, George. Um, we don't have digital identity laws. I want a digital identity. And I can guarantee you there would have been no politician, no Member of Parliament, no Senator in the country that would have had contact from a member of their constituency that would have asked for it. So, if there's no problem what are we trying to fix if the public really aren't saying let's have a digital identity law why are we doing it well we're doing it because the world economic forum has actually asked governments around the world to adopt digital identity legislation um to what end uh i mean there's no burning problem so why why are we doing it and and you know when you start talking to, uh, when you start talking about it, you talk about the potential harms that it could cause uh, to privacy, to freedom. And uh, it's it's very easy to go from digital identity to a digital identity system that's linked somehow with currency, uh, from a digital identity system that's somehow linked to uh, a social credit system. Mm. And, and, you know, as you've said that you start talking about these things with people and they say, oh that's conspiracy theory stuff. But the UK right now actually is publicly talking about a programmable digital currency, programmable digital currency. That means that the government or perhaps even your employer can program the tokens or whatever it is that the credits that they put into your bank, um, the, the, the the money and that that could be programmed to say it can only be used for certain things um you know i might not be able to use it to uh say donate to your show because mm. it's something that the government deems is is not allowable um and italy a province of italy and i just forget which provinces it was just the other day the news came out that they had set up a social credit system so you know you think Uh, people think these things are conspiracy but they're bloody happening they're happening right now uh around the world in other western style democracies and so you think it won't come here well the only way it won't come here is if there's a fight that's put up against it and um that's that's not impossible i don't want uh, you know there's a lot of doom and gloom about because there is doom and gloom about but uh you know that the the don't ever think that it can't be beaten. I saw the um, the push from within the government that I was part of to uh, to ban cash transactions of over $10,000. Now, I was against it. There were quite another uh, number of other MPs against it. We weren't sure whether or not uh, we would have numbers to actually um, get rid of it. Um, but with support of the public and also support of... Freedom parties like One Nation in the Senate, we did get rid of it. Um, it was dropped. So uh, things like this can be dropped, but it will only happen if enough people rally against it.
0: But what was their reason? I don't. I'm well aware of the the cash ban, but what was their reason behind banning transactions of over ten thousand or more?
1: Well, look, the rationale um, publicly, anyway, the rationale that was put before us was uh, that that cash transactions of ten thousand dollars or more. Are largely black market cash transactions and we're wanting to crack down on uh on illegal transactions drugs um, you know uh, th- things like that uh and also um uh, cashies you know the 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 building jobs or whatever that might be done uh for cash to sort of not involve the tax man um and look that that, that, that that's all well and good that probably is going on i think there's other ways of trying to work that out and work out what's going on there uh, but at the end of the day, cash is legal tender. And this was my argument. My argument was, um, uh, you know, I, I did have concerns about where it was leading to, your are banning cash uh, in one respect, and is this a greater push to ban cash uh, in the long term and just go to a digital currency? But, but logically, here was my argument. Cash is legal tender in this country. It's the thing that... Uh, uh, the Treasury uh, has noted that, that you and I can trade with, you know, we, we ascribe a value to it. Um, if you ban it for certain transactions, that means that ipso facto, you must be creating another form of legal tender. And what is that other form of legal tender? Well, it's bank transactions. And bank transactions are, are run by private entities. Mm-hmm. So here, in fact, was government working with big banks to push us from going from legal cash tender into uh, another new legal tender, which is bank transactions uh, and making them a lot of money on the way. And I just think that that was ethically wrong. But Mm. the greater issue was that it probably was part of a greater drive to actually um, uh, get rid of cash in in Toto.
0: Yeah. Well, I read something not too long ago. I think it was from, I'm pretty sure it was from Canada, somewhere in Canada where, they were actually speaking about the the programmable card, and one mm. of the thing one of the the, the reasons listed was that it, it's good to be able to control. So, for example, you know when we had our lockdowns and five kilometer radius and all the rest yeah. of it, they could actually limit you using your card to within five kilometers of your home, and that's what they were saying um, in this um, document that I read from from Canada. That you know it'd be good to control. You know people yeah. can't, and that's something I never thought of that that's you know very likely now governments you know tend to bring introduce things in increments not straight away like they're not going to come out tomorrow and say listen we want a social credit system they're never going to do that what they'll do is you know a digital id which they'll say is is, you know it's great for linking up your business to government services and and all the rest of it Um, but then again you know two years from now just say there's another coronavirus like pandemic who's to say that they won't use that under the state of emergency laws to control where people go restrict restrict where people go um it's very likely that that would happen well
1: well, it doesn't even need to be a pandemic Chris because um I mean I know at the moment it's it's completely voluntary but there is a particular uh MasterCard or Visa card I just can't remember anyway some form of credit card that you can purchase that um that has a, a daily uh, I think it's daily, a daily climate limit on it. So, okay. so it, it calculates the sort of, um, I'm not sure how it does it, but it calculates the, uh, the climate costs that will uh, uh, ensure that uh, your own personal emissions in terms of what you're buying and what you're doing won't exceed that, which is going to lead to uh, net zero by 2030 or whatever it might be and uh it restricts you as soon as you have hit that limit that daily limit n- no more and so <laughs> crazy enough there's people that are opting actually to get this card and to do that oh, believe um it. but but it's a short step from uh you know they've got it they've got it in action right now and so uh if they're going to bring in some form of digital currency where we all have to have a card um, that could be imposed upon us in fact um it doesn't even need to have anything new. Uh, I suspect that in 10 years, it could even be shorter than that, banks will probably be doing this, um, imposing this on people because banks have gone woke. They've gone completely and utterly woke. Um, they're controlled by the uh, uh, the masters of the universe, uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and, um, you know, uh, they're woke as well they're they're um, immensely controlling uh and i think that uh, we're likely to see this at some point
0: yeah definitely it's look i don't know enough about the climate debate i have not looked into it to know whether or not it's based on facts or it's just speculation i don't know i've had a, a very brief conversation with um malcolm roberts about it because he's all over it um, yeah, he's well, he's, he's well versed in, in the climate change debate, but I don't know enough to, to make a decision, but I can tell you what though, some of the language I see surrounding climate is concerning. Some of the language and what they, cause it all seems like we've all got to give, you know, the, the, the average person has to sacrifice. Meanwhile, these corporations and not only corporations, I know China are the largest are uh, for it. Yeah. And they're not willing to come to the party at all. So That's it right. seems like, well, well, why, why should we suffer? Why should you everyday Australian have to suffer if the largest contributor to the problem, if there is a problem, I don't know, um, is refusing to, to be a part of it. It doesn't make, it doesn't sit well with me.
1: Well, if we sidestep the debate altogether, which we can, um, what we can look at is the measures that are being put on the populace um, out of climate change and largely the measures are, uh, Punitive new taxes, largely the measures are restrictive, like the idea that some academics are putting out now about future climate lockdowns. Yeah, um, but this is just all about control, it really is. Um, wh- whatever you believe around uh climate change, um, there's a myriad of ways of dealing with the situation, but at the end of the day, you're right, it the, the, the big end of town really it, it not going to phase them much. In fact. They're very, very big end of town. Those outfits that I talked about before, uh, BlackRock and Vanguard, the uh, biggest uh, corporations in the world, investment houses, um, they won't lose any money over this. They they, they won't be stung. They will get money out of it because they shift their investments into uh, where they see things going. And um, uh, they'll probably make a lot of money. Uh, In fact, uh, that's that's the... uh, Even some of the most uh, uh, virulent greenies uh, around the world um, will tell you that there is a lot, a lot of money-making and scamming going on around uh, this climate agenda. I I think that's two things, Um, and it always boils down to these two things, a lot of money-making being made and a lot of control.
0: Yeah, that's right, and we've seen that with the pandemic, haven't we? We
1: did, we did. That's Made the rich, rich,
0: richer and the poor, poorer. Um, Profits and control. Ma- uh, Malcolm Roberts shared something this morning. I've seen it on Twitter um, about Northern Ireland. You see that? Northern Ireland's new climate act. I will re- yet. So uh, he said Northern Ireland's new climate act will require removal of 500,000 cows, 700,000 sheep, and 5 million chickens to meet net zero for methane CH4. But this food is grown on rough grassland where farm crops can't be grown. Um, yeah, so that's something out of. Um, out of Northern Ireland, which I think is concerning. I mean, we're talking of they're trying to push synthetic meats and insects and all this yeah, yeah. nonsense onto us. Now they're talking about removal of, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of animals to reach that goal. I mean, it's all very concerning. And that's what I don't like about it. There's a lot of, you know, that sort of language having to remove things that you think, well, there's got to be a, a, you know an after effect of that. You can't just remove half a million cows and expect that everything will remain the same.
1: That's Looking right. It, 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 the first the first ones that it affects is farmers, and uh, in Ireland, I suspect there's a lot of small farmers, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, again, not hitting the big end of town. Uh, so, so they're the ones that are first in the firing line, and then after that, uh, what happens in terms of meat demand or supply for the meat demand in in Ireland? I mean, uh, you're just going to import it from elsewhere, uh, you know, and if every country is moving towards this setup. Where are you going to get it from? So uh, then there has to be control, uh, either through high, high, high prices or probably, uh, sorry, Chris, um, your two-steak uh, limit a week has just been exceeded. Uh, yeah. You can't buy any more. Uh, you know, um, here's your meat pack: two, two, two steaks and a sausage, and that's it. Go, go home. Uh, you know, uh, and you think that's silly. Um, right now how many times you've been to a supermarket where you've bought a particular product and they've told you uh sorry there's a limit of two on that
0: that's I right mean, it's happening
1: happening already it is, oh, it is mate I,
0: I i don't find it silly at all i see that as something that is likely to happen unless something stops it from happening i think yeah two limits on you've seen that throughout the pandemic toilet paper chicken breasts well, even this year we've seen that when a bit of a, a food shortage at the beginning of the year we've seen they reintroduce mm-hmm. limits on foods and
1: um it's all very concerning i mean our life has our world has been turned completely upside down and i think it's going to continue to get turned uh, upside down again and again because uh, you talked about those meat shortages i still go into the supermarkets i don't know if it's any different where you are but the the, the stuff that's lacking in the shelves and uh You know, I'm hearing stuff from out in the US about uh, uh, food shortages over there and around the world. There's riots that have taken place in, uh, I think it's Pakistan and Mm. other countries about food shortages. Uh, We're in for a hell of a ride pretty soon, uh, a a hell of a ride. And and that's only going to lead to uh, price spikes. And if you thought it was bad, people fighting over toilet paper in supermarkets, imagine when there's a, a shortage of food imagine when you walk in to the meat section and uh, there's only one or two packs left and the fights that'll happen over that um uh, i don't know i hope this doesn't happen but i'm i'm starting to get worried uh that that it is going to happen
0: it's very hard to switch I mean when you actually look into this space and you see what's transpired over the last three to four years and then you think You can sort of, you know, had all these crazy conspiracy theorists who have said this is going to happen, this will happen and this will happen and it all starts happening one step at a time. It's very hard to switch off and not worry about it and not think about it because you, look, I'm well aware that even if I decide to stop thinking about it, stop having those conversations, it's going to happen. (laughs) And, you know, I, I probably can't do much myself, but I mean, I say to people all the time that when I talk about these things and I'm sure you're the same, it's not in, I'm not intending to, you know, to spread fear and doom and gloom, but awareness. And I think awareness is very powerful, very powerful. You know, if if no one's aware of what's happening, then it's not going to stop.
1: You can't change it.
0: Can't change it. But if enough people are aware and they're starting to speak about it, even just having a chat to their mates at the pub about it or whatever it may be. um, Well, you know, we might see some change, but you know, when I go down to the supermarket, uh, Dan, you mean I'm in Sydney, obviously, Um, it's five dollars for an iceberg lettuce and six dollars for a cauliflower. It's cheaper to go out, and I think that I read an article that in Victoria at the moment, it's cheaper to buy a ten pack of nuggets than what it is to buy one lettuce.
1: Wow, wow, that that, that's 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 frightening. But look, you're you're right. Um, you know, and that's why I, I love coming on podcasts like yours because it's alternative media. It's talking about issues that the mainstream media don't talk about, and you know these problems that we have that that aren't talked about. Well, there's no way you're going to fix them unless you actually acknowledge that you've got a problem. So these conversations can happen. Other people listen to it. Uh, you uh, float around in some of the top the, 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 the top of the charts and the podcasts. Uh, I've seen yours uh, st- still still up there. So uh, a lot of people listen. And these conversations go further, so we can acknowledge the problem. And when we acknowledge the problem, then we start working out ways to fix it.
0: Yeah. By the way, your show you did uh, last year you had Malone on there, mate. Very, very good.
1: Yeah, are, are you so. going to
0: continue that, or is that just like a, a one-time?
1: Series? Uh, well, particularly for that uh, was a one-time uh, series, um, but but I will continue. Uh, the podcast on, but that was um, 13 episodes I wanted to do with sort of the best of the best uh, around uh, COVID and the pandemic, and I think that we did that. Um, I have got another couple of um, just one-offs that are uh, that are about to come out, and uh, after the election, um, we'll work out uh, exactly whether I'm in the Senate or whether I'm... Uh, unemployed and seeking work. Uh, And, uh, and, and if that's the case, um, then uh, I might throw myself back into the podcasting. So uh, we'll see what happens then.
0: Mate, it's great. You know, like I remember when I seen your show up there um, I think pretty sure both my show and your show were always neck to neck and at the top somewhere. And mate, that made me so happy seeing that knowing that, you know, that these two independent guys, you know, created a show from nothing and are knocking off channel seven News.com.au yeah. and Ray Hadley's show and all the rest of it. Mate, I love that because it's a it's a community feel. Like it's we're in a very unique time at the moment, and we need unique voices to be there and to be countering the narrative. Yeah. And mate, it you know, I love seeing I love seeing that. So mate, well done on that. It was um made I enjoyed it too. It was a really good show.
1: Yeah, thank really you. For thing. those who haven't listened, you can uh go and hear it. I think you just need to go to uh well, any of the podcast uh uh platforms and just um type in conservative one or pandemic unmasked or it's on my website georgechristensen.com.au and you can just click the podcast button and you can listen to them all there
0: yeah it was fantastic but um oh anyway so you're um so give a bit of a breakdown because obviously you have mentioned that you joined one nation because when i spoke to you the first time you were just going to retire and sort of be done with it so what happened what prompted this
1: yeah, um, well, I, I hope in the future, I don't say insanity, but uh, that's probably what got me into politics in the first place. So it might be the thing that's kept Keep you there. here. Um, <laughs> you got to be a little bit crazy. you got to be a little bit crazy to, to, to stay in this remit, I can tell you. But um, look, no, the, the reality is that uh, I, was, I was going to go. I was just going to retire. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of people over the course of the past year telling me to reconsider that i mean yeah you know, even the deputy prime minister former prime ministers in fact uh, phoned me and asked me to reconsider obviously they wanted me to stay in the liberal national party but that that, that was just unacceptable I, I i one thing that i worked out pretty pretty soon after i made that decision not to uh, not to run again um was that uh uh, was that I would not remain in the LNP post the parliament. Um, like I was that aggrieved and upset at things that hadn't been done, things that had been done uh, that I knew that um, near, near 30 years spent in that political party uh, was at an end. And uh, I I made that decision, I left the party. Now, um, Pauline Hanson and a few others that I won't go through. But Pauline Hanson certainly uh, approached me um, in probably about, um, well, I can't remember exactly when, Chris, but it might have been about September, October. It was shortly after the um, uh, the parliament decided to condemn me for uh, making a speech uh, to the parliament on the pandemic restrictions. Uh, she contacted me and asked me how I was going and then um, put it to me that I should continue on and I should run for One Nation. Okay. She wanted me uh, to run in the seat of Dawson. Um, I sort of had a thought about it and I said, look, I I really can't actively contemplate this uh, while I'm serving in the government. And uh, my view is that I need to continue serving in the political party that I was elected to right till the end. And so uh, I couldn't uh, give her an answer on that. And it's something that I probably wouldn't contemplate until the election was called. Well, um, long story short, um, she said, well, thanks for being up front but uh, that doesn't suit us we'll need to just move ahead and so uh, they they selected a candidate for Dawson and they'd selected their um, their Senate team now I'm glad they did that because actually at the point in time which was around March I think that uh, uh, that I did start actively contemplating um, whether I would do something else um, uh, I had firmly decided that I'd run my race in the House of Representatives. Um, I don't want to get boring, but I'm just going to quickly say that, um, quite rightly, when you're a House of Representatives member, uh, you are chasing tail a lot because there's a lot of people that have a lot of problems in your local electorate. They come to you seeking them to be fixed. And it can be everything from uh, the neighbour's barking dog and a blocked drain, which are council issues, through to Centrelink and immigration issues, which are federal. That takes up probably about 80% of your time. and uh, the reality is you don't have much time to chase around the larger issues like ones we had been discussing and um that's where the senate comes in i mean there's a an old joke that uh, we have um, what do you call a constituent in a senator's office uh, the answer is lost um because uh, senators aren't like house of representative members they don't have um local constituents per se everyone in the state is their constituent but um Uh, really when they go to see their member of parliament, they go and see whoever the local uh, bloke or the local woman is. Um, And uh, senators, therefore, get to focus on these much bigger issues. So I I was interested in the Senate, um, uh, but I thought that it had all cut off. But then Pauline phoned me, and Pauline was the one who asked me, would you like to be part of our Senate ticket? And I was a bit surprised by that uh, by that offer, and I said I'll I'll think about it. And I came back to her and said yes, uh, I will do it. Uh, she did tell me from the get go that the number two spot had already uh, been offered because I, you know, didn't want to contemplate things. Mm. If there was something that was orchestrated, uh, then um, uh, you know it would have had uh, might have been in the different spot. But uh, it wasn't orchestrated. I just simply um, accepted that third spot. It's a very difficult spot to win, but mate, anything's possible given the last two years we've been through in this country.
0: Yeah, mate, it's definitely possible. And I see your posts all the time on social media, mate. You've got a large following and a large number of people that believe in what you do. And now you've got a strong team, One Nation. You're building a nice team there. And you know when I speak to people about I've got, I never tell people who to vote for. I just say, listen, vote for the minor parties, put them first, put the major parties last. They'll, I'll leave it at that because it, 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 you know, it's an individual choice. Right. Everyone has their own preference. And uh, But, mate, a lot of people come back to me with One Nation as being the preferred simply because they've been around the longest. All right, back from the minor interruption. Um, so as I was saying, yeah, a lot of people that I speak to regarding the upcoming election, um, a lot of them are, going to to put the minor parties first Um, but some of them go into more detail and they they state that One Nation for them uh, is the best choice because they've been around the longest Uh, but as you said at the beginning it's not necessarily, and you're a member of One Nation That the main thing is just to get a freedom friendly party into some form of power to help block um, troubling legislation in the Senate Mm.
1: and and, and I'll tell you Chris how I'm going to vote i'm not going to tell anyone else how they they should vote how i'm going to vote i'm obviously um i'm going to vote below the line and that might be something that um pauline Hanson's one nation might not even recommend they'll probably recommend above the line as most political parties do i'm going to vote below the line i'm going to vote for myself obviously uh, i'm going to vote for all of the uh pro-freedom candidates and parties that are on that uh on that list and that's going to mean um i'm i'm you know there'll probably be 20 or more different candidates to pick from for whether it's um one nation uap uh liberal democrats um great australian party uh imop um there's probably a a range of them that i've haven't said there's a few independents that are running as well in queensland uh independent senate candidates and i know this might be controversial but um there's members of the major parties, um, uh, predominantly the Liberal National Party, who have been um, have been pro-freedom. And so they would get my vote. And uh, some people that aren't running, like Alex Antic and Jared Rennick, um, I think they've been very good. They're not running, though, this time around, as far as I know. I think Matt Canavan's been very good. He crossed the floor on, uh, on um, a bill in the Senate uh, to ban uh, vaccine passports and in the house of reps um not in my local seat but lou o'brien who's the member for wide bay also crossed the floor to vote uh down uh, vaccine passports uh, so, so um there will be some but but uh, by and large you can leave off if you don't want to support the major parties you don't have to have them on your senate ticket don't even put them on there Exha- I, I would encourage people though to exhaust every single uh, freedom candidate uh, on that list even if there's some that you don't like you know forget the personalities please uh this time around it's the issues that matter really it's the issues
0: yeah definitely and I think what well, I think it's gonna be quite surprising the election I think there's a lot more people than definitely the media would make out um that are looking to to vote for freedom parties. I think a lot of, you know, everyday Australians are are sick and tired of the way they've been forced to live for the past few years. Uh, and I do believe we'll see change. Now, with regards to the, pretty much the, the mandate to dropping across the country, like, you know, one after the next, it seems like over the past month. Do you think that's purely a political play?
1: Yeah, this is very convenient, I think. It's very, uh, look, uh, you know, that, that does roll around in my head, isn't it interesting, just before an election suddenly all of the uh, the mandates that uh, you know about about going into pubs and clubs uh, have ended. Uh, I know that that might have ended a little while ago in New South Wales, it, it ended in Queensland just recently. I don't know, New South Wales probably been the most uh, liberal in the real sense of the word, um, in terms of, of relaxations on these uh, on these mandates. Um, Queensland still hasn't for a lot of things. Um, uh, I, I haven't come to terms exactly with what's going on in, in New South Wales, but in Queensland, there's still teachers that are, don't have a job, still police officers that don't have a job, uh, AMBOs, healthcare workers, um, doctors, uh, which is healthcare workers, I guess, uh, aged care workers, disability care workers, um, uh, they're still all uh, without without work um, simply because of these vaccine mandates. Now they're by and large government imposed um, mandates, but there's also um, the private sector that are doing it as well. Uh, some airlines are doing it, uh, like Qantas. Um, there's also uh, uh, mining companies that are doing it, like BHP, mm. uh, and and port workers, uh, Drimble Bay Coal Terminal uh, near my electorate uh, has uh, vaccine mandates. So they're private companies that have imposed it. So this isn't over. There are definitely people in our community hurting. And look, quite frankly, uh, I like everyone else. I went with, a few months without going into a restaurant or a cafe or a bar. I mean. Uh, it probably didn't hurt me. It probably helped the the the, the family budget and um, and the waistline. But uh, mm. you know the the, uh, the the reality is that that's the the low end of it. It should never have occurred, mind you. It's it's wrong. It's mm. a breach of my rights and everyone else's rights who has refused service on the basis of uh, not wanting to have a medical treatment that is only provisionally approved and doesn't have long term safety data with it. Um, but uh, uh, what's more of a breach of human rights is when your ability to earn a dime, to earn a dollar is actually cut off. Um, and and I, 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 yeah, I'm going to use it. I hate, I hate it. I, I was going to say I hate these people, but I hate when these people say that there are no mandates. I've heard that mm. before, that, yeah. oh, the vaccine's not mandated. Well, tell me, what is it? When someone puts the metaphorical gun to your head and says you either take the jab or you lose your job, that could have been a profession that you've been in for years that you've had to work long and hard to, and you'll go out of that profession. And what can you go into? What what can you go into? Um, you know. So so uh, this is the worst of the worst, and it's not over yet, and it won't be over until we send this huge message to. Uh, the major parties um, that uh, that this needs to be fixed. All of these people, as far as I'm concerned, who lost their jobs to these jab mandates, need to be uh, reinstated and more so compensated uh, for the time that um, that they were just cast on the scrap heap.
0: Yeah, it's bad. It, it's a major violation of our human rights to earn money for our families. And only the other day, I saw Dan Andrews was standing down over two and a half thousand teachers uh, down there in victoria due to the mandates and um quite a few teachers have reached out to me in the past few weeks um that were going to be impacted by that um just just tragic really like to hear them their story and that's all they have that's all they've ever done straight out of school straight into uni uh, become a teacher to have that just taken away no wrongdoing of their own mind you they're nothing wrong yeah Um, you know it's even now like even now when we like six months ago or more when I introduced you know we didn't have much to fire back at you know we could say that it was wrong or you know which it definitely was um, in terms of of violating our human rights to refuse a medical procedure but now we have the data to back it up and say listen you can't tell me they make any difference they don't so what do you what why are you still playing this game for
1: Yeah, well, um, you're you're, you're right. I mean, it it was wrong no matter what the justification for it was. But the justification was sort of uh, beating our argument about it being wrong. Well, the justification for it isn't just now proven to be completely and utterly bogus. Um, But they're not letting go. And they're not letting go because, you know, we go back to the climate change thing, it's almost become like a religion. Branch Covidians, you know, they... they, uh, the, they can't let go of it. They can't turn around and say, oh, we're going to get rid of these mandates because, in a sense, it means that they were wrong. Um, and, and they don't want to be proven wrong. Uh, they don't want to accept that they were wrong. Uh, and look, you know, a lot of people have had COVID. I don't know if you've had it. I've had it. And, mate, it was the man flu. That, that's what it was for me. Mm. Um, well, well let, let me correct for the sensors out there. I'm not saying that COVID was the flu. What I'm saying <laughs> is that it felt like the man flu to me. I've had the man flu and, uh, that's what it was like, you know, I uh, moped around in bed for a couple of days and, um, wanted chicken soup, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, stocked a, a big pile of, um, of, uh what do you call them, the, the soothers and the bloody um, the butter menthols. Uh, uh, but mate, after about four days, if it wasn't COVID, I would have been going back to work, you know, uh, uh, so, so, you know, and I wasn't vaccinated, I wasn't vaccinated. So, um, you know, given that that is the impact largely that most people have experienced, Oh, what's the rationale for all of this? There, there is none. I mean, and this is not just George Christensen saying it. Um, the World Health Organization on their website actually says that the vast majority of people who get COVID will experience mild to medium symptoms. Um, we are acting like it's... I mean, I heard Anthony Albanese, you know, who's just had COVID, yeah. and, um, you know, hasn't really knocked him about that badly. Uh, and he's on the... Uh, News and I noted his language. It was almost hilarious. He was, uh, on the one hand, trying to downplay it, and then realizing when he was downplaying it, oh, I can't downplay COVID. and He said, oh, you know, almost a million people uh, have 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 sadly uh, had this um, this disease. I think, like you're talking about it, like it's like cancer. Yeah, it wasn't like cancer. It was like the man flu, uh, and, it, right. and it was like that for uh, the vast bulk of. Of blokes and the woman flu, I guess, for the women as well. But uh, you know, uh, and I,
0: I can't. I tell you what, I can't catch it. No, just I can't. Oh, I've, yeah, I've had, I've made, I've, I've been around. I've been at a few um, events, big events with thousands of people. Um, I live my life as normal and always have. I haven't changed my lifestyle um, over, yeah, never. Um, and made, I, I can't. My wife can't catch it. I, my kids haven't had it. Obviously. None of us are vaccinated, but yet family and friends, and it's just an observation, and I made this claim the other day on Twitter, just my observation now. It seems like, the, and this, again, this is not a statement. I'm not passing this off as a fact. I'm just sharing my personal observation. It seems to me the people that are vaccinated seem to be getting it more frequently and easily, and it's writing them off for longer than the people that I know that I've caught it um, that are unvaccinated. I mean, my older brother who just turned 46 yesterday, he had it about a month ago. Um, and mate, I dropped him off some things, you know, the, the good stuff, the vitamin D, the vitamin C, the cursed and things like that. The old um, wormer. Um, and mate. Yeah. I was using that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mate, I was, he was using
1: a prescribed version. Mm.
0: Yeah. That's right. Well, it's prescribed version, but just, you know, just going with the narrative, mate, the old horse dewormer. Yep. They, um, mate, he was in bed for probably, I mean, the first day, mainly because of a headache. You see, he did say he had a very bad headache. Um, and then the next day, he was slowly getting back on his feet again. He was fine. Um, and, and, mate, that's the, you know, most, I mean, there's a guy I know who, um, mate, had it. And, you know, within a day or two, he's, he's doing, doing five kilometers around the house, in the backyard, out the front, running around, trying to keep his, because he's a fitness fanatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was doing 5ks a the, the day or two after he, he found out he had it so you know that's the story for a lot of people that it's just mm-hmm. like a flu like a cold um, in terms of symptoms anyway
1: no uh, not, not denying that some people not denying that some people have died of it I mean, mm. I'm mean, i not denying that at all I'm not I'm also not understating the fact that some people have died of it you know any deaths a tragedy but when we look to the deaths um, we see that in the vast bulk of cases, just like it was over in the US and Australia here, there are underlying causes. Um, in a vast majority of cases, there are underlying causes uh, of, of most deaths. And on top of that, the average age of death from COVID in Australia uh, for women, I think, was uh, was, was 84, 85 it might have been, um, you know I can't remember the figures exactly but it was around about 80 85 or 86 for women I think and it might have been 84 83 for men and then you went and had a look at the average life expectancy of Australians mm. and in both cases it was under so so in other words the person the average person in Australia who died of covid-19 lived longer than the average person in Australia like that's right so, yeah. so, you know, again, all deaths are tragedies. Uh, that's for sure. But this was something that really was was not extraordinary. Not no. extraordinary at all. And Let me
0: tell you, more children die each year from, from drowning in swimming pools and bathtubs than they do from COVID. So, I mean, by that logic, do we start banning swimming pools? No, no, no more swimming pools. The kids are no longer allowed to have baths. If we find out your kids are having no, baths, no I mean – I mean... Don't say
1: it too loud or the people that'll oh, yeah, they start will. trying to do that, Chris. Will.
0: <laughs> but, you know, as a nation, I mean, we never make decisions based on the worst-case scenario or the best-case scenario. We make decisions based on the average, right? Average. Mm. You know, we can't make decisions on the worst-case scenario because it, you know, it would inconvenience 99% of the population. And for the same reason, we can't, you know, make decisions based on the best-case scenario. But... What, we're, what we've found with COVID, and only COVID, no other virus, only COVID, is that all the decisions are based on the worst-case outcomes. Yep. And that, yep. that doesn't make sense and it doesn't feel right. And it, that, that proves to you that something's not right based yep. on that, that decision-making process.
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, that, that I think that um, what we're talking about now is sort of the uh, – I'm glad you said that it, that it means something's not quite right because, uh, you know, you could accept that, oh, this is just because fear and panic swept so many people because of the initial assessments around COVID deaths, but look, I think that policymakers are a lot smarter than that. Um, and somewhere along the line, this went from the fear and panic to opportunism. And uh, the opportunistic uh, element was around profits that a lot of big companies made. Uh, A lot, as you said it before, a lot of the rich got richer. A lot of the poor got poorer. Um, uh, Main Street got hurt and Wall Street got rich. Uh, You know... uh, uh, all these drug companies that have just been making money hand over fist, the largest profits that they've ever, ever seen. Uh, and then massive companies as well, like uh, Amazon, for instance, that uh, did a roaring trade dr- during lockdowns while um, uh, mum and dad businesses just went broke because no one was allowed out. So um, some people have said that what we've seen is the largest transference of wealth in this period uh than we've ever seen before, and and on top of that, um, there's the control element, um, you know, uh, where you have uh, people like Klaus Schwab talking about how COVID-19 presents a great opportunity uh, for a, a great reset uh, of everything. And when you have a look at the measures they're talking about in the great reset, again, it's all about control. It's all about controlling how we live, what we eat, um, what we do uh you know how our economy functions that also impacts upon us um so so, uh i think opportunism uh did did grab hold of this entire pandemic and um uh you know you're right you're right in what you said so it didn't make sense none of it made sense how the policy responses were being done and when things don't make sense it often means there's something else afoot and what was afoot was money in control
0: yeah you know what back to klaus schwab for a second if there was an evil pyramid man, he's firmly at the top of that i'm telling you now he, he's i, I watched the interview of his not too long ago and he was talking about the threat of a cyber attack right
1: yeah
0: and and i've learned to listen very carefully to what he says because he seems to, be able to predict the future right mm. so i was listening to him and he said his exact words were um i'll, I'll try and do his accent the best i can well we need we need to we need to vaccinate the internet to produce the digital antibodies we need to vaccinate the i'm thinking look at the language look at the language Mm. these people are obsessed with vaccination even when they're referring to internet protection they're talking about vaccinating the internet i'm thinking there's something not right with this man there's something seriously wrong with him and you know who, who elected him no one no one elected him. No one elected the likes of, of Bill Gates, but yet they seem to be controlling the way, indirectly controlling the way that we live our lives here in Australia. And it's, mm. it's so bizarre. I mean, why yeah. why are these governments listening? Why are they buying into this whole world economic forum? I mean, I know you've got Justin Trudeau, who's a, a young global leader. You've also got Macron, who's a young global leader. Uh, there's quite a few of them that are that are in power now and and klaus has said it himself that they're going to penetrate the cabinets of governments around the world and they've done that
1: yeah well look um uh, they have done that they've done that quite successfully they've been going around for a long while this world economic forum and running these uh youth leadership programs and so they've they've cultivated uh, leaders around the world um even our health minister was a former Director of strategy for the World Economic Forum, uh, and there's other senators, um, Senator uh, Andrew Bragg, I think, who's one of the World uh, Economic Forum young global leaders. Um, and I'm assuming there's probably some on the Labor side as well. I just haven't, uh, I can't, can't r- rattle them who's, off who's off the Hansen, top of my head.
0: Who's Hanson Young? Is someone, I can't remember yeah, Sarah,
1: but... Sarah Hanson Young from That's the Greens. Uh, she's uh, a WEF. Uh, alumni as well. So there's a a lot of these uh, people. But um, I guess, uh, uh, you know, how did they get influence? Well, they started off having all of uh, the world's wealthiest, you know, and then they started inviting celebrities uh, and then they invite the politicians and they invite them all to Davos and they all can rub shoulders together. So therefore, some two-bit politician from Australia can gets invited to this thing, um, and and can uh, rub shoulders with some people that they'd never would get to meet at any other forums. You know, your your um, your Bill Gates of the world, your Warren Buffetts, and it makes them feel all tingly and special. And uh, you know, uh, next thing they they're sort of being told that if you uh, good boys and girls, and you go away and you pursue our agenda, we'll invite you to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it can be happening as simple as that, uh, I think. But um, Klaus Schwab is an interesting character. He's, because he's publicly known, you know, if you do believe um, in that pyramid, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be at the very top of it because he's, he's out there. Uh, is out there publicly and he's out there also in in other ways uh look at his beliefs uh around transhumanism mm. i mean this guy is weird he he has views which I, I doubt that any mainstream thinking uh feeling person would actually agree with and that is that there needs to be a fusion between humans and technology um You know, uh, and and this leads to where people are talking about um, uh, uh, digitising the brain, having some uh, microchips added into us that that control aspects uh, enhance humanity. Um, And and that's actually a very strong part of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda, uh, this enhancement of humanity. And uh, I think that's frightening, man. That, that's that's the stuff of dystopian science fiction films. Nice. Um, but it's real. Know, and, and, and anyone listening and now they're making now, a reality, yeah.
0: yeah. Anyone that's listening yeah. to this now, I'm, I'm telling
1: you, go online. Do
0: a quick. It won't take you long. Just do a Google no. search for the World Economic Forum. And I've actually seen a video of the one of the main doctors who is part of the advisory panel of the World Economic Forum. Go on about transhumanism in detail for about 15 mm-hmm. minutes. I've, I've watched it. I know exactly what they want to do. And, you know, that's why I'm a bit skeptical of Elon Musk. Only for that reason is that he took over, he bought Twitter. But I know he's involved in a lot of things that they want to do. He's involved in, I know he's worked on a microchip now that can actually, they put in, implant in your brain and control your limbs. I know he's working on that. Um, and I know he's done some trials on monkeys, I believe, for that. Um, you know, he's, so I, that's why I'm a little bit sceptical of Musk because I know he's involved in a lot of what they're trying to do. Hopefully, he's a mutual party and he's innocent, I hope, because I, I quite like him. He's, he's a funny character. Um,
1: yeah. But, I Look, mean, it's, it's not like serious. He's good with what he's done in sort of salvaging Twitter from uh, uh, censorship. although that's yet, that's yet to be seen. I mean, I know that people are coming back. But the question is, can we still, uh, you know, we? Uh, if I go on uh, Twitter and I post something which is deemed politically incorrect, how long's my profile going to stay up there for? So I don't know. It's going to be interesting whether we see um, that play out in reality. But anyway, all of the uh, the rabid left are extremely upset about um, about Elon Musk uh, buying Twitter, so that's got to be a good thing. But yeah, look, the other things that he does, I'm also skeptical about, and. Mm. Um, uh, uh, but on this, uh, he's probably on the side of the angels at the moment. At the moment, I gotta say. Yeah,
0: mate, I didn't realise. I, I see. I've, I have use Twitter um, primarily to just create my posts for Instagram and Facebook. I don't really use Twitter as my main platform. But recently, I started spending more time on it. Like, Jesus Christ! I tell you what, some of the people on there from the left, mate, they're almost insane. Well, they are. Yeah. They're insane.
1: Yep. Oh, I didn't yep. know those uh, type
0: of people existed. Like they'll, they'll comment back to me with some hate, like I hope you die. Bro. And then i look at their <laughs> bio and it's got three vaccine thing. It's got a Ukrainian flag. It's got um, get vaccinated, save lives. And when I'm thinking you just fucking wanted to kill me. You've
1: you just- you also forgot the pronouns. They so probably put the pronouns. I'm
0: thinking, hey, you, you, you're all about this. But then five minutes ago, you comment on my post that you hope I die. Well, what's wrong? You're yeah. mentally unwell, right? But there's yeah. a lot of those people on Twitter. A lot. There,
1: there, there is. It's a it's a scary place for that. I largely stay off it. But uh, you know, the recent um, the recent changes probably had me back on there posting a bit. But uh, uh, I don't want to engage with those people. Those people have lost it. But they're never going to be changed. Uh, the only thing that's going to change them is if. Um, you know, it is ever found out that uh, the vaccines caused uh, something irreparably um, wrong uh, with, the, with human functionality, um, that, that would be the only thing that would, would make them sort of wonder whether it was all worth it. But then again, maybe not. I no, mean, I heard not. a story about a, a bloke who actually, um, uh, due to an adverse reaction, lost his, lost a leg. I think he might have lost both legs. And in the interview that they did with him, he said uh, words to the effect of that um, it, it was worth it to keep people safe. <laughs> I thought, wow. wow. Really? Wow. You can lose both your legs and have that reaction. That's uh, full on. That's crazy, mate. There's mate. There's <laughs> some crazy
0: people in the world. But you know what? I think th- there needs to be a slogan. It, it's very important is that there's a difference between hate speech and speech that you hate—that mm. is such an important yep. fact, because if I go out there and, and, and make a claim, which I have done, and I, I know that the um the the I can't remember her name. You know who I'm talking about over in the Northern Beaches said that you know she's trying to say that transgenders yeah. shouldn't be competing it's in
1: Catherine McDevitts. Like, yeah,
0: I uh, she's copped it.
1: Yeah, she has.
0: Yep. She's copped it, and I'm thinking, well, there's nothing. It's not hate speech. She's not. Uh, she's not speaking directly to everybody. Bit, she, she's just saying that it's not fair for, for sport mm. I mean I play, well, in I, fact I, I'm, in, I'm in, in, my,
1: in my home city here um, the local newspaper has uh, interviewed a, a transgendered uh, person here in Mackay um, who's actually come out and said exactly the same thing and they actually said that if they competed in a sport against other women it wouldn't be fair um and I actually proposed uh, something that uh, that I was unique. They said, "Well, you know, perhaps what can happen is that they have an open an open uh, 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 sort of competition where um, where transgendered people and men and women that want to compete against them uh, all go into it." Um, and I thought, "Well, that's that's a unique solution to it." Um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, here is. Um, this person is getting pilloried as being anti-transgender uh, when a transgendered person um, in Mackay is actually saying exactly the same thing as that, as, uh, well, but, that well, liberal candidate.
0: The, the most famous transgender in the world would be Caitlyn Jenner by far, right? Yep. And she said yep. the same thing. Yep. And, and actually, um, well, when Caitlyn was Bruce, uh, Bruce was an Olympian. Yep. So he, he's, a, he's a professional athlete. And, f- you know, for, for um, you know, now to say that, you know, it's not right. Um, what are you going to say? What are you, he's, he's against transgenders too when he is one? You can't say that, but it's, it's not the debate. I mean, you're, you're entitled to have an opinion on an issue concerning a, a group of people without, you know, meaning that you hate, you hate the people. It's not the case. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't find, I don't find transgenders attractive, but it doesn't mean I hate them. I don't hate them at all, but that, that's how they'll take it.
1: If you want to understand where the left comes from with this um, and others, this whole uh, LGBTI, um, you know, and there's a whole range of other initials that I've forgotten, but, the, you know, the, the, this whole movement, they see this as um, black and white, pardon the pun. It's black and white. They see it like racism. And so, you know, if there was. Anyone who said that a black person uh, couldn't come into a store, couldn't come into a cafe, couldn't participate in a particular event. Well, well that's racism. We all recognize that as what it is and uh, and it's wrong, it's evil. Um, and that is exactly how um, they see these issues to say that a uh I'm not agreeing with it, I'm just trying to explain it. And once you understand that, you understand a lot about it, right? to To say that a a transgendered person can't participate in a in a particular um, sport uh, in in you know in the gender category that they identify with um, is like to them saying that a black person can't participate in the sport. Um, and so when you understand that, you understand also, other issues that are behind this. Um, When you talked about free speech before, um, we actually have laws in this country that are uh, against racial vilification. And so there are certain things that you can't say um, because we deem racism as a society, I guess, to uh, to be an evil. And they would believe the same thing, that there are things that you can't and shouldn't say uh, around these matters. Um, now, I got to say that uh, I I would vehemently disagree with someone that put forward a racist proposal. Um, but I actually wouldn't think that that person should get in trouble with the law for putting forward a racist proposal. Therefore, I think that these uh, racial vilification laws are wrong. Um, but but and by the same notion, I think that people should be able to say what they want. In regards to LGBTIQ issues, um, you know they should be able to say whatever they want about it uh, without fear of getting hauled before some form of court. Um, but but those who are very passionate about these issues see it as black and white. This is racism. This is like racism, and uh, and and therefore all of that discrimination, which is like racism, all of that speech. Which is like racist speech uh, should be eliminated, banned, yeah, see, made illegal.
0: I, I, look, I understand a part of what they're trying to say. And I would agree that if you were to refuse service to somebody who's a transgender person, that probably is wrong. I mean, if we're talking about going to a restaurant, for example, and you refuse to let them in because they're a transgender, that's wrong. We can all, I think we all agree that's wrong. But we're talking, this particular issue um, is about sport. Now, um, you know, a black with a black, black person and Asian a white person compete on a, in a sport, it's generally fair. Like there's no, you know, there's no advantage for, for either race. But when we're talking about, you know, uh, a, a woman who used to be a man competing in a female sport, I mean, that's why they ban performance enhancing drugs from sport. Isn't it? I mean, I, yeah, I, I can't, I, I can't yeah. just, I can't just start playing the NRO and, and show up and, and be loaded with testosterone and other um, mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. steroids that's, an, that's unfair to the opposition right mm, yeah. and i think of it that same way that you know okay fair enough yes maybe they're receiving hormone treatment um you know maybe they've got long hair and and have a female's name that's fine but they've also had a whole life going through the teenage years through puberty developing as a as a male um the bone structure the bone density the shoulders that like the the muscle mass it's it's all not necessarily as much muscle mass because that obviously does change with hormones, but especially the bone structure. Your bone structure doesn't change. Right. You're gonna be like it's very obvious to anyone. You don't need to be a biologist to know that, that, mm-hmm. that it would cause an unf- And we're seeing that now with the, the swimmer in the US. I mean, she's tearing through the women's division. Um, and in my opinion, it's unfair and it's unjust. I mean, if you can imagine being a parent, like I've got daughters. You know, and if, if I, took, if I spent my, you know, their whole lives taking them to training, you know, and they're doing all they can to be the best they can. And then, you know, a, a competitor comes in who used to be a man and starts taking everything away from them. Well, all of the shits is their parent. Well, that's unfair. That's not right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think we have to look at it, you know, from an individual, I mean, we're talking about sport in this particular case and as was the, what her name again from uh, Northern Beaches? I think it's
1: C- Catherine Devis. Uh, Catherine
0: Devis, uh, yeah. She, yeah. She's speaking about the sport issues, not speaking about everyday life in terms of going into supermarkets and, sh- and restaurants and all that. So, What she says is right, and I would agree with her that it is unfair. Yep. Um, but that doesn't mean I hate <coughs> them.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I think, though, that the, that the larger issue here is one about freedom of speech, and it is under attack um, and... Uh, uh, again, you know, whatever rationale they have, there's people out there that want uh, to to silence what uh, Catherine Davies or anyone else who says something critical of the situation. They want to silence them. Uh, they don't, and 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 because it's not against the law, they pile on in this way, and it is quite a vicious and vindictive, and it can be a violent pile on, mm. um, and and uh, more than that, they then. Um, they then uh, uh, want to change the law to actually make it illegal um, for for people to say this, and we, we've got to uh, we, we got to decide as a democracy: um, do we agree with this situation where um, speech that is philosophical, that is ideological, um, that is political, shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be um, allowed? I mean, if we do, then That's I dangerous. actually don't think you got, you don't th- I don't think you got the right to call yourself a democracy, really, too, too much, no, not, a full, not a full democracy, because for a full democracy to actually have, um, you know, proper debate, uh, proper policy decisions being made, you need to have discussion. And if you can't discuss certain things, then, well, you, you lack an element of democracy, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Mate, it's this woke, woke culture. And uh, before I let you go, I, was, um, I read last night that apparently in the New South Wales government they've been told they can no longer say mate in the workplace.
1: It's insane. Did you see that? That's insane. I did see it. I did see it. And it's like, uh, oh, wow. There's going to be a, a, a lot a lot more truth that's going to come out now because uh, the word mate's usually put in there where you can't remember someone's name, so you are just right. going to have to go up to them. So I can't remember your name. I can't remember your name. But that, you know that's insanity. That, that's mate is
0: just a term. Like it's just a yeah. Um, mate, I, I, it's the just called You mate again. It, yeah. It's something that that concerns me greatly because mate, if they end up mate, I'll, I'll be sacked very quickly.
1: It's woke crap is what it is. It is is completely and utterly. And look, I think that good luck to them. Keep on pushing that sort of stuff because the more and more you do it, the more and more people are going to snap out of this crap. It it is just, uh, it shows you where this agenda goes. Anything, anything that they think is uh, remotely um, discriminatory, sexist, Will will go and things that are as innocent as the word mate will go, uh, just like the other one. Sadly, that seems to have disappeared from our lingo. Sheila, that's also that's 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 probably gone as well. You know,
0: old Sheila. That's what. Yeah, my dad. My dad. Yeah, Sheila's here. Sheila's. Yeah, he's um, a big fan of that. But you don't hear it anymore. No, you
1: don't.
0: Oh, it's a shame. Anyway, George, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Welcome on any time. Best of luck. Thank you. Um, And, um, mate, um, all the best to your future. And let's hope um, that this election is the beginning of of change that we desperately need.
1: Here's definitely hoping because uh, we don't need another two years like we've experienced at any point in the future.
0: No. George, pleasure, mate. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Chris.